0: this is News Talk 980 CKNW
1: 6:45 means it's time to check in on a Sunday morning with Rick Forchuk. Good morning Rick. Good morning Joe. Good morning and we are starting with a movie that's based on actual events.
0: Yeah, we are, and there are six movies that opened. I'm going to look at three of them, and I hope I've picked the ones that are likely to make the top ten, but you never really know. Uh, The Lost City of Zed is this movie, not Z, Zed. It's based on actual events, as you said. It's based on David Grant's 2009 book. The film is about explorer and map maker Colonel Percy Fawcett, and it spins the tale of one man, a Victorian-era military officer in the U.K., who developed an obsession with what is referred to in the story as Amazonia, and repeatedly returns to the jungles of Brazil, first to perform a mapping expedition for the Royal Geographic Society, and later to search for what he believed to be a lost city, built by a race far more advanced than the savages that he encountered in his many expeditions. Charlie Hunnan plays Fawcett, and a nearly unrecognizable Robert Pattinson from Twilight is his aide-de-camp, Henry Constant. Like many women who were married to those who chose to explore the world in those days, we have Sienna Miller as the faithful wife who would bear his children, spend years on end as he returned to the jungle, uh, with uh, time out for World War I, where he served as an officer, and ultimately see Percy return to the jungle with his eldest son in tow. The reality is that they were lost in the Amazon in 1925, never to be seen again. More than 100 people from various expeditions either died or were lost forever trying to recover the duo, but there was never a trace. David Grinn's book, the source material here, has been soundly criticized for wandering too far from the truth. The movie compounds that felony. That doesn't mean it isn't an entertaining film. It does a fine job, but not in a Hollywood way. Made with Irish money and using many Irish locations as well as South American jungles, the story is slowly paced, allowing us to get the flavor of the times as colonialism in the British Empire began to decline. Few theatrical or dramatic devices are used, and Hunton is excellent in a role that was originally to be played by Brad Pitt, whose production company made this film. Uh, Pitt went on to produce the movie. He did not star in it because of scheduling conflicts. The rating is 14A and is called The Lost City of Zed.
1: All right. It sounds like it would be better if they stuck more to reality or fact.
0: Well, they don't know the facts entirely. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's always better that way. When I did my research after seeing the movie and found that there were significant parts of the film that were just plain made up, I was a little disappointed. You're right, Jill.
1: All right, uh, we will move on to Unforgettable.
0: Yep, no facts in this one. Uh, Catherine Heigl from Grey's Anatomy is Tessa, a perfect-looking, perfect-acting woman whose husband, David, played by Jeff Steltz, he plays Murph on the current TV version of The Odd Couple, uh, decides to divorce her and share custody of their 8-year-old daughter. Now, David has another squeeze when the movie opens. She is Lily, played by Rosario Dawson, and things between the soon-to-be new wife and the ex-wife are anything but amicable, but David doesn't seem to notice that. This is a fairly standard domestic thriller with elements of a revenge movie, some clearly crazy people, and a series of events that may have you wondering if you can ever trust Facebook again. Now The tension is good, often gripping, as we try to piece together who is doing what to whom. When the story opens, we see Lily in police custody under suspicion of murder with overwhelming evidence, including her alleged Facebook posts, demonstrating the, her obvious guilt. When we flash back six months to see how all of this came to be, uh, there isn't a lot new, but Heigel's role is very well handled, as is Dawson's, and anybody who's ever been close to a situation where a young child is in the middle of her parents' domestic battle will certainly relate. Well-paced and timed at just over ninety minutes, the length is about right, and the characters well set. Although there were a few places where the audience laughed out loud, not because it was funny moments, but they were just not believable. It's a good thriller, though. It won't any win any awards. It's worth a night out at the theater. It's uh, rated fourteen A in Canada. It is R rated in the U.S. and that is unforgettable, Joe.
1: Unforgettable, and from that to Phoenix, forgotten.
0: Yep, talk about making stuff up. Here we go. Uh, Producer Ridley Scott, who did Blade Runner and Alien, among many other things, goes way downscale here for this found footage piece that does not try to convince us that it's a real found footage of three teens who went missing in the desert near Phoenix, Arizona, 20 years ago in pursuit of a UFO. Uh, The footage is the usual jerky handheld stuff, but we know the people portraying the teens are actors and that the entire setup isn't real. Uh, That doesn't mean it's not engaging. When strange-to-date unexplained lights were seen over Arizona in 1997, three teens went out into the desert to investigate, and they were never seen again. Scott decided to use that truth as a backdrop for what might have, could have happened, and he has the younger sister of one of the missing, now an adult, making a documentary about the event. In the course of interviewing law enforcement, the military, and the news media of the day, midway through the project, an old video camera is found belonging to the high school that the teens attended. It was that very camera that they'd taken with them that night, and an identifying tag showed it as property of the school. Now, 20 years later, it's just another piece of junk that somebody found in the desert and returned by mail to the school because of the tag. It's been sitting there, awaiting discovery for years. And inside the battered camera is a tape. And on that tape is what happened to the teens. There are some good Blair Witchy-style freaky moments, uh, but mostly we know it's just a movie. It's not bad, though. It's worth a rental or a download when the time comes, Joe. The rating is 14A.
1: All right, Uh, that uh, is Phoenix Forgotten, uh, the third movie we're looking at today. Uh, Let's switch over and take a look at what's happening on the streaming services.
0: Yeah, we've got Titanic on Netflix this week from 1997. This is the winner of 11 Academy Awards, in case you don't remember all of that. It included Best Picture and Best Director for James Cameron. Uh, This awesome portrayal of The Night to Remember, April 14th and 15th of 1912, demonstrates what an amazing storyteller James Cameron is. We all know that the ship sinks, and we all know that 1,503 people died, with just over 700 having survived. We know about the iceberg, and we know that the ship was thought to be unsinkable. With all of that knowledge going on, Cameron was still able, with the help of his stars, Leo DiCaprio, a very young Leo DiCaprio, and Kate Winslet, to spin a tale of love and of loss, of survival and of death, that is so suspenseful that even though we know the outcome, it's still tension-filled and fraught with peril. The entire movie is two hours and 27 minutes long, exactly the length of time it took the ship to sink after hitting the iceberg. At $200 million, the movie cost more when adjusted for inflation than it did to make the actual Titanic itself. The movie was number one at the box office for a record 12 weeks in a row. The rating is fourteen A. That's Titanic. It's still a great movie, Joe.
1: All right. In case anybody didn't see it or wants to refresh their memory of that one. Uh, 2015 Mad Max. Yep. Fury Road this time. Charlize Theron is almost
0: unrecognizable as Furiosa, the woman rebelling against the tyrants ruling Australia in a post-apocalyptic world ruled by thugs and bullies. Teaming up with Max, played by Tom Hardy, seems like an unlikely pairing. He's a broken man, having lost his wife and daughter to the madness that has almost every human and subhuman willing to kill and to maim for, to struggle for the necessities of survival. That uh, makes a big difference when we see all of the, <clears throat> the non-digital effects here. These are real motorcycles, real cars, real crunching metal. Actor Tom Hardy liked the script so much, he signed up for three more sequels, Joe. It's an 18A rating. That's Mad Max Fury Road.
1: All right, and we have another horror... Thriller to watch as well.
0: Yeah, before I wake up, it's from 2016 and it's a better than average horror thriller. Uh, We have a couple, Jesse and Mark, played by Kate Bosworth and Thomas Jane, having lost their own child to death, choosing to adopt a new one, a little boy who's been through many foster homes in the past. They note immediately that he does not want to fall asleep and they assume it's because of his difficult past. What they learn is that the boy, Cody, played by Vancouver's Jacob Tremblay of Room, has nightmares, and further, the things about which he dreams, the unspeakable terrors and frightening horrors, manifest themselves as reality. Soon, the entire family's on the run, victimized by terrible creatures and deadly situations. It's a 14A rating. It's Before I Wake. It's a pretty good movie.
1: All right. What about television?
0: Well... I want to ask you, have you caught up to your recorded episodes of The Good Fight?
1: I don't know if I have. I think so.
0: Well, I'll tell you, the final episode of the first season of The Good Wife spinoff, The Good Fight, goes tonight. That's episode number 10, in which we see Diane and Kurt brought together by an accident. I was somewhat reserved in thinking that a reasonable facsimile of the successful show could be pulled off. But this one, Jill, really works. And each week, more and more characters from the original series show up. A small note of caution here, Uh, this series was made for streaming by CBS in the States, so it is not covered by the Broadcast Standards Act to the same degree that over-the-air television is. And for that reason, you will hear a lot of F-bombs and see more suggestive scenes than we're used to on The Good Wife. In Canada, no streaming. It airs on the W Network, and that's tonight for the final installment. Uh also, love it or list it Vancouver Now, this terrific series in which I am really hooked uh, has homeowners having to decide uh, after their priorities are re- after their home is renovated if they're going to stay put and love it based on the reno plan by Jillian Harris, or move on to one of the places that realtor Todd Talbot has selected as better choices than staying behind. This series returns tomorrow night. Now, I mention this for two reasons, Jill. One, I think that Todd and Jillian are fabulous together, and they make the hosts of the Toronto and UK versions of this series look sickly by comparison. And two, for those who may have their PVR set to record automatically when new episodes return, uh, you need to make some necessary changes. The show has moved from the network where it's been resident for 89 episodes to hgtv beginning tomorrow night and your pvr is not likely to recognize the channel change unless you manually intervene so jill you've been warned
1: all right don't want to miss uh, any episodes of that uh, on that note rick thank you so much we'll talk to you next weekend
0: you thanks joe vancouver's news vancouver's talk this is news talk 980 cknw